Nobody ever had a thought that came to them from out of the blue. Have a great stay here in Epcot, or wherever your final destination may take you. Here in Florida, we have something special, a blessing of size. There's enough land here to hold all the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. Hey, thanks for being such a great test crew. Come back and ride anytime. W Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 477, and I'm here once again not only to help you have the best possible vacation experience when you come to Walt Disney World, but I also want to try and help bring you a little bit of that Disney magic wherever you are, whenever you are, with the podcast, blog, videos, live broadcasts on Facebook every Wednesday night, my books, audio tours, some new things I'm working on, and more. Again, you can find everything over at www.radio.com. So the 24th annual Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival returns bigger, better, more interactive, and yes, delicious than ever. So this week, join us live from the festival as we explore, experience, and enjoy the wide variety of activities and destinations, and also share our list of the best of the best from this year's festival. From topiaries to garden destinations, the Garden Rocks concert series, family fun, merchandise, outdoor kitchens, of course, conservation activities, new tours, and more. And of course, we're going to review some of the best of the best of the food and drinks as I invite you to join us on the promenade, then call in and share some of your favorites from the festival as well. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for some updates, events, announcements, and of course your voicemails. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. start off with a spoiler alert because not that it necessarily matters to you but I will tell you right off the bat that the Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival in the past few years has quickly risen to not just my but my family's favorite special event of the year from the farm to table flavors to the flowers to the interactive family friendly elements even more so this year the entertainment and everything else it really is the perfect formula where it has become a feast for all five senses in 360 degrees. And because I love this festival so much, and because I'm clearly horrible at math, if you've ever heard past top ten episodes, I realized that I, there was no way that I could do the top ten things that I love about, the top ten things to eat or see and or do at this year's Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival. So maybe I'll, I'll resurrect uh, an old the subject that I used to talk about a lot because we're going to talk about this week the best of the best of the Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival because 
I think there are so many more than just 10 things to enjoy while you're here. This Look, it's the first weekend of the festival. It's the second. It Actually, this is for me the third day that I have been here. And I think that's a testament to just how much there is to see, do, eat, and enjoy, even just beyond wandering the promenade. So joining me this week are some friends. It's my family who enjoys the festival, I think, just as much as I do. And I think you're going to hear a testament to that along the way. And once again, in order of ladies first, Marion Mangello. Hi. Deanna Mangello. Hello. And Nicholas. Get ready to fall in love, America. <laughs> Nicholas, you have become the king of the one-liners. And look, this is actually, it, we're recording this on a Sunday, the first weekend of the festival. This is the second day that we've been here. We were here all day yesterday. We are back again today because, one, we couldn't do it all in one day, which I think is, is part of the beauty of the festival, but because we had such a good time. Like, Marion, this is the first time, I think, in a long time I've heard you say, how excited and how much you wanted to come back and do something, not just again, but the day after we did it, you know, the first time. Yeah, I've really been getting into, like, the the flowers and taking pictures, and I've really been getting, like, I really have been enjoying it, and the butterfly garden is one of my favorite times to come, my favorite reason to come for the whole entire year. Like, I could go there and spend hours in there because I just love, I love it. Well, so it's interesting because you're starting off with something, you know, it's one of the best of the best things to enjoy and reasons to come to Flower and Garden. And you mentioned something that's not even really in a guidebook or on a map, and that is just you with your phone walking around and taking pictures. And as a amateur photographer, you have taken, there's so many opportunities here for beautiful photography shots, whether it is on a grand scale of looking over at the lagoon or right behind us, the flower beds bar journey to imagination but you love getting able to get so up close to the flowers and the butterflies and uh get really neat kind of uh, photographic opportunities that you don't really get other times a year here yeah i really enjoy being able to get really up close detailed pictures of the flowers and the butterflies and the, in that I, I have found that there are so many little educational opportunities in that, right? Because so the, let's, we'll, look, we'll kick off with the best of the best. One of the things being the butterfly garden. You specifically asked to come back not to ride a ride. I don't know who you are. You didn't ask to come back and eat food. You came back to ask to go to the butterfly garden. What is it about you, about the garden, that is such an attractor for you? I always beg to go to the garden. In fact, I've been begging all day to go today. Um, and I really hope that we're going to be able to go later. But I really like it because I get to learn more about butterflies because they're such, like, beautiful things. And flowers there are so many, like, I really like being able to look at flowers that usually aren't, that you don't see all the time. And they're just, like, you can get so up close and get really nice photos of them. And there's also, you know, there's a lot of little um uh, informational plaques, and there's people there to talk to you about everything from the the the, how the butterflies, how they hatch from the chrysalises, to the flowers that attract them and why they're in there. Do you know why I like it? Because it's presented by GoGo Squeeze, and when you walk in or walk out, they give you one of the little GoGo Squeezes. Of listen, there's nothing wrong with enjoying a little apple juice, a little applesauce. 
in a pouch while you're enjoying the butterflies. So we're starting off with the butterflies being the first thing. Is this something that you guys enjoy to go through to photograph to maybe learn a little bit as well? Yeah, I actually really like it because it's very peaceful and like kind of quiet in there. And it it's like very nice to see all the butterflies like flying around. It's and like before you realize that you have a butterfly on your finger. And that's the I was waiting for one of you to say that. You know, there is no sort of screen in between you and the butterflies. You can sort of reach your hand out, uh, buy some of the flowers, and so many times the butterflies will, will actually land on your finger, sometimes on your head. So we've been calling Marion the butterfly whisperer because although she's really enjoying it this year, she's enjoyed the butterfly garden every year. And she seems to have this touch that whenever she goes up to a butterfly, they always seem to attract to her and land on her fingers. So, yeah, yeah. Go follow my Instagram account, Marion Rose Photography, on Instagram. <laughs> so, so, so the reason why I wanted, I, st- I think this is a good way to start is because I think especially in Deanna, we were talking about this earlier as we were walking around in between stuffing our faces, is that I think more so than any of the other events, there are, there is so much fun for families here and there's so many opportunities for families as you go through, whether it's the play gardens, uh, you know, where they have the, the different sort of play areas for kids that are themed towards the Florida 500 or the, the music garden melodies the Florida Fresh Gardens. It's it's places for kids to sort of expend a little energy and play around, but there's so much to do for kids. But what I think it's really doing, and this is, you know, what I love, what I, I think I've always loved about Epcot is there's education by way of entertainment. So kids are learning about, you know, maybe you should put your phone down and get away from the video games and get out from in front of the TV and go outside. You're encouraged to not just play outside, but to learn. I mean, there's opportunities to create little miniature gardens, and there's so many people here to help teach you. I mean, they'll give you seeds or they'll give you instructions on how you can do a lot of things that you see here at home. So I think if you look for the little um, the, the gardens marked with the, the DCF, the Disney Conservation Fund, you'll have opportunities to learn, but I think take some of those learning opportunities home and make them more entertainment. So for, for, I think, the first best of the best ways to enjoy time with families is the butterfly garden and the go-go squeeze. Right. So on top of that, you go into the butterfly garden and they hand you a nice, cool go-go squeeze as a refreshment after you leave the butterfly garden. So it's, you know... It goes back to eating. I might just wander through the butterfly garden again. I'll tell Marion it's for her, but really it's just for me so I can get one on the way out. Uh, I I think, too, another one of the best of the best here, obviously a big part of the Flower and Garden Festival are the topiaries that you can see from the moment you enter Future World or even if you come via the International Gateway. I think there are probably about 25 or so topiaries which, the, the, look, the, the horticultural team, I, I have to stop and, and pause and give credit to, you know, Eric and the entire team of horticulturists that really do operate behind the scenes. This is their opportunity to shine. Look, the flower beds behind us under the monorail beam are, are just they're breathtakingly beautiful in terms of the color. But even as you walk through and see some of the topiaries, you know, we almost take for granted that that is a living thing that was put together uh, the faces now the topiaries like in Snow White the new bell topiary is beautiful what do you think as we walk through what do you think is 
the best of the best of the topiaries. I, I have a personal favorite, but Nicholas is waving his hand frantically because I think he wants to get it before I steal it from him. Mine is, I think it's a new one. It's the new Figment one. And in Future World, I love that one. It's so cool and cute and dragon-like. So you took mine. So that was going to be mine. I, the, the Figment right behind Spaceship Earth is even more beautiful than that. And again, they've done so much more to make the faces be more than just... Um, I, the, the faces are so much more detailed now because of the type of flowers that they use and the type of plants that they use. So it's interesting that, of course, Nicholas said figment because figment is Nicholas's favorite. And since this year, one of the main things for Flower and Garden is figment. And he's on all the shirts and a lot of cups and everything. But Nicholas has a figment that he carried with him everywhere. And we actually have a really good friend, Virginia, who ended up making Nicholas the same shirt for Figment. Right, because they used to sell the Figment plush without the old yellow sweater. She made him a yellow sweater. made him a yellow sweater, which, Virginia, we still have it. And we can't thank you enough, but that was one of the biggest things that Nicholas carried everywhere. That Figment plush and that little jacket will always have a special place in my heart. (laughs) Or eBay. Marion, is there there one... um, Is there one of the topiaries that you walked by that really struck you? Okay, so, I mean, I can't say, I can't not say the one that we're sitting right by right now. We're sitting by the butterfly one, and I really like that because, I mean, as you heard before, I really like butterflies. But I also really like the uh, the Winnie the Pooh kind of setup with the piglet because the piglet's made out of succulents, and I really like the succulents. But I also really like the Lion King because, I mean, it's the Lion King. So the one the one that I like is actually multiple because I'm Lou and I can say more than one. Because there are a, a few of them and something that's new this year that you can look for is the photo opportunities now allow you to really get in and get close to. So, for example, the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, you can now stand behind Snow White and the way the PhotoPass photographer is lined up, you actually, there's props. You can get grab a pickaxe. You can grab some jewels. You can get in there. Not just one person, but your whole family. And the way that the angle is taken of with Snow White and then your family and then the seven dwarfs really makes you become part of the topiary sculptures themselves. And, I, and that, I think, is one of the best of the best new things that they've added this year. Right. Um, they also have one when you walk in. So you get actually a picture of you with the Farm Fresh. Um, Chip and Dale. Right. The one thing that I want to say is I think when you walk into the park, one of the most amazing things that they did was the one they did with the Maypole with um, Mickey, Minnie, Donald, and Pluto. Like, no, no, no it's uh, Mickey, Minnie, Daisy, and... Daisy, sorry. And it was... I don't know. If, I think, I think it Maypole. was Goofy or something. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, the Maypole that they did is just so brilliant and so, like, captivating when you walk in. You get all the characters, and I think it really hits you and says, wow, look what we're going to see while we're here. I have to also say, I lo- always love the three caballeros. They're always one of my favorites. And the other thing is is that Tinkerbell, she's always one of my favorites. And she's actually, you can get really close to her this year with her little um, houses. fairy, fairy garden, houses. Yeah, yeah we're a fairy yeah, garden. Yeah, they moved the fairy garden from over by uh, Test Track, the walkway by okay. Test Track, because now they put in the um, the Daytona um exhibit over there and, and I do obviously Peter Pan's my favorite character I love the fact that you have to sort of search for him up at the top of the United Kingdom but I, I love the fact that sort of on page two of your festival guide 
is a checklist. And I think you should use that checklist as almost a scavenger hunt. You know, and we're going to talk more on the other scavenger hunts you can do here. But here's one that's built in. It doesn't cost you anything. And being able to walk through and find them and check them off the list, um, I think there's something that anybody can do of any age and, more importantly, can do together as a family. Absolutely. So... We always have fun trying to find where all of them are, and it is so nice that they actually have the, this list here telling you exactly where all of these topiaries are. But even if you use like the checklist, it's like, hey, we want to make sure we get a picture with every single one, or I'm going to get a picture. You know, do it like a photo scavenger hunt. Make sure you get a picture with all the topiaries. So, I mean, we all. And the other one too, I think that is remarkable this year is the the Bromelia dragon in China is ab. Absolutely spectacular. The colors and the details of the dragon is, I mean, it's one of the ones I think you should make a special trip over to go and see. And it's kind of almost hard to find. You really need to go into the the country and look like in the, um, what's it called, the little pond lake thing. And you actually find also while you're there, one of the Easter eggs, which is another thing that's a scavenger hunt. And it's I think it's Five ninety nine, and you can get this little map, and they give you some stickers, and um, you go around to each country, and you look for the Easter egg, and you match up the sticker to the the country, and then once you're all done, you go to the store. I think it's oh, it's Port of Entry. You go there, and then you can surprise. Yeah, you get a little like surprise. I I set, I set a surprise. Okay. You <laughs> don't, go. don't spoil it. Don't I, spoil I was gonna. But you actually do get you get a physical prize that you cannot buy. It's only the and the nice thing that they did here, and it's called the egg extravaganza, is that, and I think there's what, twelve or so hidden eggs uh, around. Yeah, there are twelve. Once you you find all the eggs, you do get a physical takeaway. Um, they change, they move year after year, and this year it does run for the entire length of the festival as opposed to only on Easter weekend, which it was originally. So you don't have to worry about missing it if you're not able to get here over Easter weekend. And at five ninety nine. Again, it's inexpensive. It'll keep you guys busy and keep, keep the kids. kids it'll keep the kids busy and occupied. <laughs> Parents, I'm talking to you. It'll help keep your kids occupied the entire time that you are moving around. And you don't have to do it all in one day, which is nice. It's so enjoyable. You know, I actually get so into, like, coming here and doing the Easter egg hunt into all the countries. Sometimes my kids don't get excited as excited as I do when I find the eggs, but it's still so much fun as a family. And this year is challenging. It is. You really have to search for, and listen, sometimes they're not always at eye level. Just give a little bit of hint. All right, so... In terms of other best of the best, I think people also need to understand, if you've never been here before, when we when it's called the Flower and Garden Festival, there really are n- probably 30, I'm, I'm ballparking, destinations in terms of garden destinations to visit, where throughout just Future World and World Showcase, there are scenes and vignettes that have been created either specific to that country uh, maybe around a specific theme. There are new ones this year. So if you look on your your flower and garden book, you'll actually, again, there's a checklist of all the destinations, where they are. Are there any ones that were remarkable or memorable or ones that you like to visit? Because I know for me, there there is usually one that is a personal favorite, but one that really kind of struck me this year. And while you guys sort of think back, for me... Japan, if you've listened to the show before, you know is my favorite country. The little mini garden and all of the bonsai trees, 
not just in the little Zen rock garden in front of Mitsukoshi, but even um, uh, on the across the the promenade um, by the the Tori Gate. You know, to me, the way those small trees are designed. Look, I, I love Japanese culture. I love the art and the architecture. Um, there is something. Um, there is something beautiful about it, and there's also something um, very calming. I don't know how to describe it, but I, I love the bonsai tree. So for me, the Japanese mini garden was my favorite, but because I always have to do this, my honorable mention is going to go over to Italy because this year, um, more so than in the past, Italy has this incredible um uh, container garden set, for lack of a better word, which is just against uh, sort of the the um, the Isola on the the lagoon side. Yeah. You know, it, it looks to me, and I'm ballparking. It maybe is quadrupled, quintupled mm-hmm. from the number that there were last year. Yeah. So my favorite, I think there. Are, I have a lot of favorites, but it, I know the my, Butterfly Haven. My my first no, it's actually not the, that one. My first one is actually the Shakespeare Garden in um, the UK. I spent about five minutes while my parents were getting food, shocker, uh, (laughs) going around and taking pictures. And uh, that's where the Peter Pan and the Tinkerbell and the little fairy gardens are. And I really, really enjoyed it because the Shakespeare Garden has this giant rose patch. It has a bunch of my favorite flowers like daisies and... uh, Oh, what are they called? I don't know. They almost look fake, but they're so pretty, and they're one of my favorite places. Next to that, though, I do really like Italy because there are a lot of flowers there, but I also really enjoy the uh, Extraordinary Orchid Garden, which is a little bit hidden. My favorite. (laughs) And I really like it because orchids you don't find everywhere. They're really hard to find, and they're really hard to, like, keep alive. (laughs) But... In the Extraordinary Orchid Garden, there are just trees, just, like, filled with orchids and, and different kinds. Uh, it's in between Mexico and... It's sort of right... It's sort of attached yeah. to Mexico. It's yeah. sort of around the corner of right. Mexico. It's in it's between... Kind of yeah, it's, it's a little bit hidden. keep... Um, where, um, it's actually the, it's actually the wheelchair not, path. Exactly. It's the wheelchair path up to... It's, it's actually the wheelchair path up to the pyramid that brings you inside is where the work and it's funny because you all thought that the that the garden kind of ended because you didn't look up and once you looked up you saw that there were hundreds more above eye level right the orchids they actually had sitting in the trees which was pretty amazing so you did in order to see more orchids you had to look up we're gonna, and one of the things you mentioned touched on another experience here that I want to mention. But, Nicholas, were there any gardens that you walked by that really sort of impressed you or that you liked taking pictures of or that you wanted to go back to? I think there's one that we haven't seen yet that we're going to bring you over to in Future World East. It's prehistoric plants because I know you love your dinosaurs. I'm excited for that, but my favorite is probably the Japan bonsai tree one. That one was pretty nice. I liked all the little bonsai trees. They're so like cute and tiny and yeah I like them so if we're talking about best of the best there is something else that takes place during flower and garden that I think is oh wait you just had an epiphany yes that thing that that takes place during flower and garden that's amazing 
is the Tea and Scone Tour. Dude, spoiler, you beat me to the punch again. <laughs> All right, so it is the so the English Tea Gardens in the UK. So, Marion, when you talk about the Shakespeare Gardens, I love the Tea Gardens, which are, are you can you can always walk through the gardens of the UK, but during Flower and Garden, they ha- they actually bring out the Twining's Tea Gardens. One of the experiences that is there normally is the Twining's Tea Tour, which is a free tour that takes place, I believe, on weekends four times a day, weekdays, I believe, two or three times a day. day. I think it's during the week. I think it's all, uh, uh, I think there are three a day, and then on the weekends, uh, no, no, during the week it's two a day. During the weekends, it's three, right? Right. So you can. So they basically offer three options. You can do a self-guided tour. You can just walk through wherever. Because like all of the other plantings that are throughout here, there is signage that will help explain what's there. They also have the English Tea Garden Tour, which you can now you can sign up for day of. So if you go to the UK Pavilion, you know, maybe when it first opens at 11 a.m., you can pick your tour times. I believe there are two or three during weekdays. There are a few more on weekends. The important thing to note is it's complimentary and anybody of any age can go through. Um, I also believe it is uh, completely accessible. So if you have a uh, scooter or um, a wheelchair, you should be able to get through. But something that's new this year, which I like me a lot, is the Royal Garden Tea Tour. This is, again, it's a VIP guided tour with samplings of tea and scones. Now, this one is this one is $15, but I will tell you that it's well worth it because of tea and scones. But you really get a little bit more of an in-depth tour from a tour. And if you think that you, if you look, if you like tea or think that you know tea, I, I will tell you that it's an absolutely fascinating tour in terms of not only how tea is blended, but I learned so much this year about what I was doing wrong when I was making my tea. It has changed my tea drink. I'm not kidding. You look at me like I'm a crazy person. I kid you not about how long it should steep, what you should do with the tea bag, what should be added, what you should or should not have with it. Oh, no, no. I'm not. You know what? I'm not going to share it with you. You need to take the tour itself because, wait, at the end, there's scones. There's tea and scones, and there's two different types of scones. There's a savory scone, and there's a sweet scone with clotted cream and berries. You've heard me say, probably ad nauseum in the past, that I'm a savory person. The sweet scone is so good with that nice cup of that new buttermint tea. I cannot, you can see how excited I am. I cannot recommend that tour highly enough. I've never taken it, but it sounds really good. I know. So I'm looking forward to it. That tour is amazing. Take it or else. It is. You know what, though? But it's a beautiful, relaxing tour. You know, I, I kid about having the uh, the scones and the tea at the end. But it is a nice sort of treat after learning about the tea. And then again, if you aren't, it, look, what I've learned is that tea is like wine. There are so many different varieties of teas and sort of a right way to brew your tea and to drink your tea. And... Again, like wine, as you become more educated, it makes for a better experience. And all of a sudden you're saying, hey, I'm not just going to get this cup of Lipton tea. I'm going to try something else and see how a pairing of tea with scones actually makes a difference. All right, so we've talked, we're talking about best of the best. One of the reasons why and one of the things that I like most about this 
is the Garden Rocks concert series. I am clearly going to show my age because when I saw the list of bands and tribute bands that was performing this year, I got so excited like those Pointer Sisters. Marion, you're looking at the list. You have no idea. John Cicada, Dennis DeYoung, the music of sticks. I have four words for you. Domo origato, Mr. Roboto. Thank you very much, Mr. Roboto, for doing the job. Nobody want to. The Pointer Sister, I'm so excited. to see Exposé. Night Ranger. Sister Christian. Well, at the time, young, no. The Little River Band. Okay, Gin Blossoms. You've heard of Gin? No. Starship. We built this city. You know it from the Muppets. Oh, okay. We built the city on rock and roll. This year... All right, so not only is, are, not, not only is uh, Berlin here, take my breath away, but Exposé is here. So Exposé, I am coming to, probably both nights. Cause they oh, Hunk of Bunk of Ballroom oh, from the 1980s and 90s. Hunk of Bunk of Ballroom, yes. Here we go, showing our age. Herman Hermit's the guess who. So, all right, so here's, so we're trying our best of the best. If you could only see, not that you can because we're locals or we're fortunate, these run from March 3rd through May 29th. If you could only pick one of these to see, which would it be? And while you're looking at your list, uh, it's important to note that there's a dining package available. So this, again, is what I think is the best of the best. You don't have to wait online for the concerts that take place at 5.30, 6.45, and 8 o'clock. Uh, if you call 407-WW-DINE, you could do a dining package where you go get your ADR for a restaurant and world showcase, and then, Marion, you get special seating to go... The orchestra, ELO. Guess what we're doing? We're going to get a dining package and we're going to see Expose, baby. Oh, yeah, we are, kiddos. Marion, me and the spinners, we're working our way back to you, babe. No? No? Wow. With your parents? It wouldn't be so much fun. I know. You're taking me to the point of no return? (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to go see. I I am whipping out the cavalry trees and my Michael Jackson jacket. Cavaricis, really? I think I might have a pair of Capizio shoes that might still. I think I'm going to tease my hair, although my hair is always pretty 80s. I think I still have a hypercolor shirt, Marion. No? Do you have any of those rubber, those black rubber bracelets like Madonna? All right, moving on. All right, so we've covered, (laughs) we've covered the topiaries, the destinations, the garden rocks, different fun family things you can do. I think some of the best of the best too. Let's talk about some of the merchandise that's available because that's one of the things and for those of people who are sort of collectors that is a big attractor for them because there's such unique merchandise that comes here was there one item you know I'm a Tervis Tumblr collector so I'm going to eventually have to get my Tervis Tumblr but was there one item that you would like to see or bring back to the house and I think carefully before you answer this it would be a Tervis Tumblr but as an annual pass holder, there are some exclusive things that they um, that you can get for um, uh, merchandise. The shirts are really nice. There's a couple pins, and there's also a Tervis wine glass. So I thought you were going to say that you liked the um, the like the the figment welcome rock that you can put like in your garden or at, but that answer is wrong, and I'm happy you didn't say because for me. What I love are so many of the little kiosks scattered at the promenade. And my favorite, and Marin, you can chime in here, is the Elemental Nursery. 
because at the elemental nursery, that's where not, you can not only purchase little bamboo and bonsai trees. My favorite place ever. Right. So tell us. So tell me why. Tell me why the elemental nursery, which is located uh, in between. Uh, African outpost and Germany on the promen- the, the water side of the promenade. Wait, back up for one second. No. Okay. Copyright. Okay, stop there. <laughs> so, Mary, what is it about the Elemental Nursery that that makes it the best the best shopping location for you? I really like taking care of succulents and plants, especially being able to like put them in my own pot and like succulents and like bamboo you don't really need to like care for them you water them like once a week and they're still alive uh which is a miracle and i love doing that and i love being able to take care and plant my own plants so we are going back there and i'm getting my own little succulent well what i like too look i I said before how much i loved bonsai you can get and more importantly learn how to care for and nurture the plant the right way. There's actually um, teas and tea accessories there as well. But, you know, you talk about bringing home a unique gift from Epcot, and it doesn't, you don't have to be a local. You'll be able to to transfer, because they're small, you can transport them, or they'll ship them back to you. But you can take that that small bamboo tree, put it in your office, a small bonsai tree, and bring a little bit of the the festival home. And what I like is uh, the ability to learn about it and how to care for it the right way. Like Mr. Miyagi. I want to be like Mr. Miyagi in my office. So they have a plant Mr. There? Miyagi is from a karate and uh-huh. yeah, whatever. Okay, so they have a plant there that I'm going to get, and it is called, I'm going to tell you the name of it. It is called a Asian pitcher plant. It's a carnivorous plant which eats bugs. Right. So here in Florida, if you have a lanai, these plants are so wonderful because if you put them in the lanai, even though it's screened in, sometimes those little nasty no seams can get in and bite you. Well, guess what? We're getting them all. Feed me Seymour. Can we call it, can we call it like Seymour? Sure. You know what that's from? Uh, no. I know it. I know it. Is, wait, uh, Sigmund Sea Monster? Oh, close. Little Shop of Horrors. Close enough. And now I've saved the best of the best of the best for last because the name is the Flower and Garden Festival but it's really the flower and garden and food and wine and beverage and dessert and culinary adventure festival 24th annual I can't wait for next year 25 years it's going to be I'm like make your reservation I'm going to be here every day I'm going to like camp out Um, this year there are 15 outdoor kitchens including the Berry Basket in Showcase Plaza and Northern Bloom in Canada and we've said this in the past and the reason why I think this has become our favorite event even more so than food and wine which you think would be right in Lou Mangello's wheelhouse is because there are only 15 and I think it's the perfect like I said at the beginning it's the perfect combination of things to eat and to taste and to do and to look at and listen to and enjoy because food and wine can get overwhelming. You know, when there's 25, 30 kiosks, that's a lot to do. And I think it's a much different experience. I think this is a much more even family-friendly experience. Uh, Over the past two days, we have gone through and tasted many of the items and rather do a full-blown live review of everything that we've eaten not that I'm not going to do that in the future, probably on the show, potentially live. Maybe I'll do a live walkabout. I haven't done one of those in years. I'm going to give us our top 10-ish 
items that we've tried. And this is in no particular order other than as I go through the basket. So this is, these are, sorry, you see I'm thinking about baskets of food. As I go through the booklet, starting with Urban Farm Eats and making our way around from Showcase Plaza uh, clockwise back around. So from Urban Farm Eats, the crabless cake with crispy vegetable slaw, lemon vinaigrette, and Old Bay remoulade, which is a, a, a vegetarian option, was one that I've tried over the last couple of times. Nicholas, you tried that today. What do you think of your crab? Because you, this was the thing that you would, when I asked you before the show to pick out one item, that's like one of the things that you had had on your list of two or three, right? Uh, yeah, it was. And what did you think of it? It was really, really good. Um, it was like... Which one? Oh. Um, it was really... The crabless cake was really, like, crispy, and it had, like, a good taste. Um, when we got it, like, it didn't come with a vinaigrette because people thought it was so good. They ran out of vinaigrette. But it was still good without it, and it was still a really good cake. And what I'll do is we actually recorded some of these. We sort of did, because I wanted to, what I, the reason why I like doing the live recordings is because I want to capture the, the moment and the essence of exactly where it is that you're feeling. So I'll play some of those at the end of this. Uh, number two from the berry basket is the warm wild berry buckle with pepper berry sorbet. You've heard me say before, I'm more of a savory over a sweet guy, but I will tell you, I tried this. And because I liked it so much, I tried it again. It was delicious. Next on the list, number three is the sugar cane shrimp skewer with steamed rice and coconut lime sauce from La Isla Fresca. We had that yesterday, and it was absolutely delicious. So that ca- <laughs> that Caribbean conch salad, it actually was so refreshing. It had huge chunks of avocado, mango, and onions in it, and the conch. It was delicious. I'm going to make it at home. We also, don't, don't bother. We could just come. I, I'm just okay. going to get it from here. So and we t- also had the sugar cane skewer, which they give you a lot of sh- a lot of shrimp on it, and the sauce was really delicious. All right. Next is the uh, from Mexico, the Jardin de Fiestas, the Brochetta Garden of Parties. Or Thank you. Party of Gardens. How about just to call it a garden party? The Brochetta de Pollo de San Morita, the grilled chicken with the red and green bell pepper with the salsa chili morita. And with micro cilantro and edible flowers, it was not afraid to be a little spicy, which is exactly what I liked. Next, and this could be my favorite and the sleeper of Flower and Garden Festival, the currywurst with paprika chips, the roasted bratwurst with the curry ketchup and paprika spice chips from the Bauner Market in Farmer's Market in Germany. We also loved, the, and this is a returning favorite always on the list, is the beef brisket burnt ends hash with white cheddar fondue and pickled jalapenos from the American Adventure. Number six, seven-ish, whatever it might be, is pretty much Morocco. It's the the Mergrez hot dog sausage, the homemade falafel, and the baklava. Marion, that was your... Oh, my favorite. You could just do that all day, every day. From, From Florida Fresh, I was incredibly impressed by the carne asada with black bean cake and cilantro lime sour cream the the massive amounts of sweet and tender and juicy pork and how it seeps into the black bean cake is phenomenal uh, Marion, I know would love the macaron chocolat framboise. I wanted to try that so bad. We are going to come back from that uh, 
the oh the UK. Deanna, you loved the oh. pear cider brine shredded corned beef. We actually did a live mini review of that again. I'll play that at the end with the braised cabbage and pears and Branson dressing. Um, you guys didn't have this today, but I've had this multiple times. The seared scallops with the green beans and the potatoes. Did you I have that? Yesterday, it was scrumptious. I mean, the scallops are, are a large size portion and really, really, really cooked. Well, they're, they're small scallops, right? Because you're, sometimes the, the larger scallops, and again, it's yeah, one of those things, smaller. if they're not cooked properly, can be tough. I also find that sometimes scallops, if they're not cooked properly, can be very sandy. But these were actually really, really good. And I don't know if I mentioned, and this might be 11 or 10 plus, whatever, you know I love uh, hanami in Japan. You guys had the frushi, the ahi tuna poke with the sesame ginger so, is and, always a returning favorite. Oh, yeah. We have to come every year just for the frushi because yeah. Mary and Nicholas love the frushi. And the tuna poke, you cannot, you cannot miss and come to Japan without getting a tuna poke during Garden Wine. So I didn't record every uh, marketplace that we stopped along the way in World Showcase, but I did want to record and capture some of our reactions to some of the marketplace items as we were going through. So here's just a few of some of our favorites from this year's Flower and Garden Festival. So before we got started today, I told everybody to go through the booklet first. We did a little reconnaissance mission uh, here yesterday before we recorded, and I told them to mark off some of the items that interested them, but I wanted each of them to pick out just one. So we can almost come up with a top four slash top five list of the things that you need to try while you're here. Telling them to do that is like telling me and Tim Foster to come up with a top ten list because we're starving and everything looks and smells so good. So as we were making our way around the promenade, we stopped over in Mexico at Jardin de Fiestas. I don't know what that means. Uh, oh, wait, you do know what that means? Yes, it means garden of uh, parties because Jardin is garden and fiestas is uh, parties. Our, huh? our, our, our education <laughs> money is paying off. More importantly, it is like a little, it's about to be a garden of parties mm-hmm. in my belly. Stop, Stop, it. Stop it. Wait, you guys are Stop. not supposed to be eating first. Stop, Stop it. You're pushing my hand over. So the sounds of the birds in the background is only overshadowed by the sounds of the vultures around this table. I know you guys are starving. You can't wait to dig in. We actually ordered two of the three items on the menu. We decided to save the tres leches for later on because it looks like a a delectable dessert. But we ordered the chili relleno with picadillo, which is a battered poblano pepper filled with ground beef, with tomato sauce, with queso fresco, and toasted almonds. You guys could not wait until I actually started to hit record to start digging in on that. Nicholas, you have not come up from air already. Uh, what do you guys think of this so far? So I really enjoy the um, how lightly fried the green bell pepper is and the beef on the, um, on the pepper. It's delicious. It's actually not too spicy. Right, because when you see that it's a poblano pepper, you might not know, is that a very spicy type of pepper? Or, Mary, what do you think? Nicholas, you haven't stopped eating, so you obviously must like this. It's really good. It's like, it has a little bit of a sweet. Yeah, it has raisins in it. It has like that, like it gives it a really good sweet and savory, like they counter each other perfectly. I agree. I wouldn't know because you guys hardly left me any. Could you move your fork for one second so I can get a taste? Also, the other thing too is there's a nice little crunch in here. They have some almonds that are um, scattered throughout the dish, which is actually delicious. 
also. I really like this. I love Mexican food. And you're right, the pepper mm-hmm. is just a little bit of heat mm-hmm. almost in the, in the back of the palate. Mm-hmm. The meat, there's almost a sweetness to the meat from the tomato sauce. But you're right, the queso fresco and the almonds gives a nice um, uh, texture and crunch to it. And then the other we ordered was the bruschetta de pollo de salsa morito, which is grilled chicken with red and green bell peppers, which obviously are not hot. A salsa, salsa chili morita, and garnished with micro cilantro and edible fl- edible flowers. Okay, let me just warn you. If you have a very low tolerance for spice, this is not for you. It is good, not for you. If you do not have a high tolerance for spice, I actually kind of like it there's because a bit of a heat. Mm-hmm. like it gives you a like it like not too much. You have you eat it and then you like you taste the flavors and then at the end it just sends a wave of heat. Yeah. So. I get that wave of heat, mm-hmm. and unlike the the chilarino, which sort of sits wow <clears throat> mm-hmm. really on the back of the, it, it does you get sort of a wave. It covers yeah. your whole tongue in spice, and then you get a little bit of heat. But I'm gonna tell you, so I love this, and this is almost in type of a um, a dark, almost like a like a mole type of a sauce. Just to sort of uh, give you an idea of what it looks like, and I'll post pictures in the show notes. What I like about this dish and some of the other dishes is that they are not afraid to turn up the heat a little bit. We saw this at Festival of the Arts. We're seeing it again here. There are some things that have a little bit of an additional spice and heat to it. She told us when we ordered it that it was going to be spicy. Nicholas, I, <laughs> I, um, I have to um, go and get some water. So we will be back. All right, you go get water. But I like this. I like a little bit of heat, not so much so that it is overpowering, but so much so that it adds a great deal of flavor. Nicholas, you like a, you're like me. You like a little bit of the heat. The girls have run off to get something something to drink to wash it down. But is that something you would order again? Yeah, but just I'm warning you, do not take a giant whiff of that <laughs> sauce. My mouth is burning. Uh, but to me, it's a good burn. It's not a yeah. burn because I thought there was a great flavor to that one. I actually think I like the flavor of that better than, than I like one. the chili relleno because there, it came in waves. And when we talk about sort of layers of flavor, you definitely got that. The chicken was tender. There was a, a, a moist and, and sweetness to it. Then you got sort of your palate yeah. covered in one wave. And then you got that sort of second little kick. That's a good way to start the day, though. Yeah. Sort of wakes you right up, right? And like it'll get me prepared for what comes next. It's going to be a long delicious, stretchy pants kind of day. I'm ready. Bring it. I'm ready. Making our way around the promenade, one thing that was circled on everybody's list as we sort of did a little recon before getting here today was the Bauner Market, which is the farmer's market in and next to Germany, we're sort of in between um, Germany and the African outpost. And here, I will tell you that I had a very tough time not ordering everything on the menu. There's a potato pancake with applesauce. There's one with caramelized ham, onions, and herb sour cream. Currywurst with paprika trip, chips. I had this at a preview event a few weeks ago. And I'm going to, spoiler alert, this was the, my favorite thing that I ate at that event. There's also a warm cheese strudel with mixed berries that I did not get. We did get the potato pancake with caramelized ham and the currywurst. Let's start with potato pancakes because this is something that was on everybody's list. It is a um, 
well, you guys devoured it before I could even start to describe what it looked like. But it's a large potato pancake with chunks of ham. Yeah, just leave one bite for me is all I'm asking at this point. It's a feeding frenzy over there. Um, large chunks of caramelized, um, large pieces of caramelized onions. A lot, there's a lot of ham on top of here. And somewhere I'm trying to find that one little piece of um, potato pancake left. All right, anybody thoughts right off the bat? Okay, so it's really, really good. The pancake's nice and small, and it's really soft. And the ham is really nicely cooked, and there's a lot of it. And there's this, like, sauce that's really good. And some and a lot of caramelized onions, which also adds a lot of flavor. So the sauce, it's an, it's an herb sour cream. So you do get, you actually taste a little bit of the herbs in there. But I love the saltiness of the ham with the, with the uh, saltiness of... I'm a salt guy with the saltiness of the potato pancake and the, the sweetness of the caramelized onions. It's so, it flame, so flames on the side. And Nicholas? That was awesome. Scale of one to ten, what would you give that? Um, I would give that a eight. Okay. I'd give that a seven. Um, 8.5. I would give it about an 8.5, and it's got a great beat, and you can dance to it. But I really want to get to the currywurst with paprika chips. It, it almost looks like a traditional sort of German bratwurst, right? But there is a, that curry in the sauce. And I've, I'm going to have just one piece and let you guys devour the rest because I had about 11 of these. I didn't expect it to be so sweet. Right? The sauce is so delicious. It's nice and sweet. And the um, sausage is not um, spicy there, at all. But the curry, there is a there's a there's a spice with the curry, yeah. Yeah, like I love it because it's like it has that pepper, like that like just that little spice, but it's so sweet and like the sausage is so tender. Right, man. So you've been eat, you've been eating the um, you've been eating the paprika spice chips. Mm. Can we just put a bag of these in my bag on the way home? <laughs> I'm totally a chips girl. I am not a sweet girl either. And they are delicious. They are I, such a nice little... This to me is the perfect. surprise, and this is not a new yeah. and not a new item. Wow. This is the surprise winner of Flower and Garden Festival. I have to agree with you. I'm going to go order another one. Thank you. All right. And can we? Yeah. Are you, oh, I thought you were serious. I am. But this is one that I will make a special trip and come I back agree. for. I'm having this next time I come again. So yeah. you came here for the potato pancakes, but you're coming back for the currywurst, right? Yep. You like this? You like this better than the, the potato pancake? No, not me. I like the potato pancake. But you know what though? This and the potato pancake—that's a nice meal right there. You and can also get it's very reasonable too. I think it's six dollars for each. Right. And a good and portion a really size. Good portion. I mean, we shared uh, one between the four of us. There's also and four different beers. There's the uh, organic brute with the Edderflower, the Munich Lager, the Heifweizen, a Black Lager, and a Beer Flight, which a lot of the people were clearly on line for. Right. But Germany, the Bauernmark, the Bauernmark Market, those two items make a, a full meal right there. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced a bounter market, like bounter market. I don't know. No, there's no tea. So I'm very nostalgic about the potato pancake because my mother and I, on Sunday mornings after church, used to go and get potato pancakes at Perkins. And it used to come with a side of sour cream and a side of applesauce. The way that these are served, 
were a little bit different, obviously, because the ham, but it did have the sour cream. Well, you can get one with just the applesauce if you want, if you don't want the meat with it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's why they have to do it. That's nice that you do that, because that's originally how a traditional tip tip. I was going to do both of them, but I know we have miles to go before we, we do, sleep. We do, and it's nice. <gasps> Look at that pretzel that the guy's eating. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Our next stop around the promenade and around the world takes us to the taste of Marrakesh in Morocco, where we just did make all that happen, which is all three items on the food menu, the merguez hot dog sausage, which is spicy beef and lamb with sautéed onions and green peppers, the homemade falafel, returning again with pickled beet and turnip, tomato salad and tahini sauce, and the baklava, which Marin is dying to dig into because I know you are a sweet eater. Uh, I think the merguez sausage, <clears throat> excuse me, is new this year. Let's dig in. While you guys start taking a taste of that, there's also three, I'm sorry, four items on the beverage menu. There's a casa lager, a red wine, a white sangria, and a desert rose. Not the song by Sting, but a sparkling wine topped with a pomegranate liqueur, which I've had a taste of in the past, which is really, really nice. And it's, it's a nice balance of the, the tangy and the tartness of the wine with a little bit of the sweetness of the pomegranate liqueur. So mm-hmm. I dig this a lot. You, Ryan, you like this? It's pretty spicy, but I really like it. You can definitely taste, like, the flavor. Yeah, so I think it's... it's. So in the past, I used to have, like, the lamb kefka. Uh, I like this even more because you get that taste of the lamb, which I think is part of is what you're, you're tasting in there. But a real nice different type of a... Not even, like, a, a curry spice. There's a lot of different um, uh, f- flavors in there, too. And it's also... It's fun because it's it's in like a regular hot dog bun, so it is sort of a pick it up and eat it kind of food, but obviously easily shareable. I think uh, the all the items came in at six, five, and four dollars, so it was fifteen dollars for all three. You guys are already digging into the falafel. This is a returning favorite. They've had the falafel. They've had falafel fries in the past. The falafel is definitely a, a favorite um, with the pickled beet. And the nice uh, tomatoes on top. It's very, very refreshing. It's not heavy at all. But you could definitely make a meal out of it. It's a, um, you know, you the even though it's fried, it's a light fry, so it's not a very heavy, it's not a greasy dish altogether. And I think the, the little bit of the pickled beets adds that little bit of uh, a tang and a, a twang to it. Yes. That... Uh, is a nice balance and there's also a crunch to that that's different than the crunch of the fry it's really really good and the best thing is that it's also very colorful and really like pretty too so the beet is like a really pretty like pink color with like tomatoes and then the green of the falafel it's really really good so right like we know we noticed this during presentation of the arts that present Oh, sorry, Festival of the Arts. That presentation of the food is important. And you sometimes think that, you know, street food and, and grab-and-go food off kiosks. But the presentation of these foods is delicious, including the baklava, which Marin is already digging into. That was that was the thing that was high on... That was, like, the thing that you checked off on your list that you wanted most, right? Oh, my God, it's so good. It's so good. It's delicious. I want to eat this every single day. So the baklava is that the, the, the phyllo dough. There's uh, sliced almonds. There's a chocolate and uh, the, the nut inside. And so there's a vegan option also. It's it's marked here as a vegan option because okay. there's nothing um, nothing in there that a vegan can eat. Nicholas, did you try this yet? Yes, it is. It's very good because there's a little bit of the crunch from that dough, and the chocolate is a really good like taste. And the almonds like add like a little like 
like a little bit of saltiness, like for si- and like it's just an, a really good dish, recommended. So you get so, that sweetness from like the honey. I'm sure it's delicious, but I gave up sweets for Lent. So Marion is going to um, give my partake on what it tasted like. Deanna, just stop licking your fingers I know, because I think. Exactly. <laughs> so Marion, is that is that now all of a sudden my piece in like record? Mm. Is that your favorite thing so far? Mm-hmm. That's your that would be your recommendation for Flower and Garden so far. Oh yeah, and I think you can also get it year round too. In the yeah, you can little you can. place. Yeah. Yeah, we did a review of Tangerine Cafe a few months ago. If you go and check on past episodes and in the back where the coffee bar is they have a variety of different baklavas in there including my favorite is the pistachio i love the pistachio baklava all right onward and upward in the shadow of the mill stage in canada is the Cider House at the United Kingdom. We are going to see if the Cider House does, in fact, actually rule. Because we ordered two of the three items on the menu. The pear cider brined shredded corned beef with braised cabbage and pears and Branston dressing, as well as the house-made potato and cheddar cheese biscuit with a smoked salmon tartare. And Deanna also ordered, because it is the Cider House, the menu, the beverage menu is... um, very cider heavy you actually order the hard cider flight which comes with the card that includes a black cherry hard cider from west seneca new york like darlene Nagy, a florida beer comp- company carib blood orange tropical hard cider from cape canaveral in florida and the cider boys strawberry magic hard cider from stevens point wisconsin first thing i noticed when we were handling our food was the portion of of corned beef there is a ton. It felt like there was a pound of corned beef in that um, uh, in the in the container. So I have to tell you, being half Irish, every St. Patrick's Day at my house was bigger than Christmas. This corned beef, I'm going to get the recipe, is decadent. It's very sweet. It's extremely sensory and extremely tasteful because the apples and the pears and the and the um, cabbage that are mixed in it makes it so juicy. I'm just gonna feed Lewis right now so that he can taste all the. That's really weird. I'm gonna feed myself because I want to because that's that's obviously way smaller of a portion that I would want to put in my face anyway. Mary Nichols, did you guys try this yet? Yeah, it's really good. You can really taste the pear and the cabbage, and it's like dressed really nice and it's like it's literally just fall apart. It's so good and so tender. And that's so, so such an important part of. Beef. The corned beef is. is how well it's cooked. You know, you want it to literally fall apart, but not be to the point where it's overcooked and it's, it's hard on the outside. I love, love, love whatever that that uh, Branston dressing and the sweetness of the pears cuts sort of a little bit of the bitterness of, of the cabbage. And look, we're all sharing that. Look at how much, I mean, that's a huge portion, that's a huge portion and it's not a huge portion of cabbage with a little bit of meat. That's a huge portion of corned beef with a lot of cabbage underneath. Nicholas, you try that? Yeah. It's really good, and it's like it has a little bit of a sweet flavor. You can taste the pear, but it's countered with a little bit of the saltiness of the corned beef. But, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, it's, a great, it's a great way to prepare corned beef because of all the different 
uh, taste textures that you have in it. I can't believe how uh, the taste of the pear is really, adds, really it yeah. adds such a wonderful flavor to the corned beef. You almost we I mean, almost think oh sweet you know with corned beef doesn't make any sense because it is such a, a very very savory dish, but it's just a little bit of a hint of it on top. And it has a nice layer of flavor to it. Now, you also ordered the cheddar cheese biscuit, which you had me at potato and cheddar cheese biscuit, with the, with the salmon tartare on top. It's the, the biscuit is so herb. It has such nice herbs in it. And it's light. You would think that a biscuit is really heavy. It's really not. And it also has some sour cream on it. It's delicious. So I come from right here. It's really, really light. And the salmon adds a lot of like the flavor to what it already has, which is really like herbal and really good. I love, love, love the salmon. It's like you said. It's it's a very light dish, which you wouldn't expect when you hear biscuit. You think it's a big, sort of heavy, you know, belly bomb type biscuit, but it's not all wrong. And I love, love, um, I love this. Look, I'm a sushi guy. I love, you know, uh, salmon sashimi. But you know what? It's a. It's almost like a pate, though. It's not a. It's not a sushi grade. It's a pate with herbs in it and the sour cream. And it adds, it's, it's, I'd like that on a bagel. Can you, can you bottle, box that up and put it on a bagel for me in the morning? So now tell me how that, that okay. matches with the, the, the flight that you ordered, the so, cider so flight. So far, the best one is this, uh, is the one from where uh, Darlene Nagy lives in West Seneca. It is the McKinsey's Black Cherry Hard Cider. And let me tell you, you can really taste the black cherries. Yeah. It's delicious. The next one is the tropical, um, the tropical hard cider. It's Blood Orange, the Florida uh, beer company, Carib Blood Orange, from Cape Canaveral. So that one is a little bit on the drier side, if that's possible. Um, it's not as sweet as the black cherry from West Seneca, New York. And the last one is the strawberry. The strawberry is very sweet. So far out of the three, my favorite is definitely the one from good old New York, New York. And what I love about this, and this is something else that we were talking about in terms of one of the reasons why we love this festival so much. Obviously, the the out the, the music uh, here in Canada is is a staple. It, it's here all the time. But being able to walk the promenade and then just wander with your friends, we just sort of you know grab a table right here by the water. There's a beautiful breeze blowing. It's a perfect day. Eating sort of al fresco like this with the, the music in the background from so many of the different pavilions and the, the cultures around the world, like this makes for such a nice day. So the other thing too is like, you know, we're really lucky because our kids really have these eclectic palettes that are absolutely amazing. They will try anything. As long as it's not moving or wiggling and when they go to put it in their mouth. But other than that, you know, they really do. They'll take at least a taste of something for the first time and they'll say either yay or nay. But And look, we tell that, you know, I tell them all the time, try something once and then tell me that you don't like it. Right. And we are fortunate. And this is what I, look, we say this all the time. It's why we love this event. It's why we love Festival of the Arts. It's why we love flower, uh, food and wine because it gives... Not just your kids, but you the opportunity to sample something. It's a four, five, six, seven dollar investment to try something you probably might not try anywhere else. When you can go to Morocco or Japan or China or some of these other destinations, even something like this, you know, a salmon tartare is not something you might find in in your local neighborhood restaurant or wherever you might be. But it gives you a chance to sample. Go, hey, you know what? I actually do kind of like that. And it's we've made our kids adventurous eaters because of that and I think Marion you like you'll admit you'll you like to try a lot of new things 
Yeah, I really like to try a lot of things. And the thing uh, that you said about, like, just, like, coming here and, like, sitting and being, it's like a perfect day going and eating around the world pretty much is when you're here at the Flower and Garden Festival, almost anywhere you can see, like, a topiary or a a nice, like, arrangement, which is my favorite part because I really like doing, like, photography and stuff. So I really like being able to, like, take pictures of of the flowers. It really is such a multi, you know, we talked about this when we reviewed Festival of the Arts, how it's such a multi-sensory type experience. You know, you're you're enjoying this festival with all five senses and 360 degrees. It's not just about what you taste, but it, the presentation is beautiful. The topiaries, now that they're interactive, you can get in and out of them. There's a lot of activities for kids to do. You know, we're talking about a lot of these things on the show, obviously. But as we sort of, like, look as, a, as an overall view of it, that's what makes this... I think even I think what makes it our, our favorite event even beyond a, a food and wine festival is it's not just about the, the food and wine is not just a star it's all the other secondary and tertiary things that, that go along with it. So I have to agree with you with regards to your senses. I think you're able to really add onto all those senses while you're here, especially at this festival. And as a, you know, and and coming with your family too. They have so many other things to do, or they have a bunch of um, playgrounds to stop with your kids. You know, again, seeing all the topiaries are just absolutely my favorite. Marion is so into photography now that she loves to stop and take pictures of all the flowers. And the other thing, too, is is that this, I find at this festival, because they make it more family-friendly, I think, there are so many things on the menu that are non-alcoholic. So, for instance, a lot of the drinks that they incorporate alcohol with, they also incorporate a non-alcoholic version. So that way your kids can also try it. You can try it with the alcohol as an adult, but the kids get to try it and test their palate with regards to the... And there's, look, there's a lot of people that don't necessarily want to have an alcoholic beverage, and it's great to have those options beyond a water or a soda or a drink to be able to have, an, an, whether it's a non-alcoholic type of a, uh, a cider or something like that. So uh, we're going to keep on moving on. We are almost done with our trip around the world, and then we will, uh, we'll recap. I think as we sort of, you know, wrap this up, there are so many other opportunities and best of the best. There's learning opportunities over at the Festival Center, which is open on weekends from 10 to 5. You can learn about the horticulture. You can meet some of the horticulturists. Find out not only how they grow and maintain the gardens here and the flowers here all year long, but how you can do that at home. You can learn about Walt's vision from present day uh, from Walt's vision to the present-day uh, horticultural vistas that are present, not just in this park, but throughout Walt Disney World. There's also about the making of the Flower and Garden Festival and how this all comes together. There's also a lot of stuff here for kids, and this is something that I, I, I see coming even more so here. You, you can connect with the conservation specialists from the Animals, Science, and Environment Group and connect with nature. That's from March 31st through April 2nd, and again, April 28th through April 30th. And there's a new little mascot that I met. Uh, if you look at my Instagram or Facebook, you'll see there is a, hi, there's a miniature beagle um, who is here. It's so bad. It looks so cute. He's like me. He's like so cute and cuddly and huggable. Ill. Anyway, but it does give you an opportunity to meet some of the team members from Disney's Animal Science and Environment Group, as well as some of the other nonprofit organizations, from getting a chance to speak with them. I learned so much about what they are doing 
in terms of uh, environmentality and things that, you know, I think a lot of us are aware of Disney's environmental efforts at a very surface level, you know, obviously with recycling. But Marion, do you know what do you know what they do with the food scraps that are taken and the leftovers from all of the restaurants at the end of the day? You know what? I'm not going to tell you because we're going to go back and you're going to learn from the ASA people. Uh, you can also celebrate Earth Day in April. Um, the other thing we mentioned, we didn't mention too, uh, other than very briefly, were the tours. There are tours throughout Epcot. We love the tea tour, um, especially more so. But there's also a Gardens of the World tour, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays from 9 to 12. There is a behind-the-seeds tour at the land every day from 10.30 to 4. Now, those are multiple all times. All year round, That's I think. all year round. But what I think people don't realize, this is a great opportunity to take part in one of those tours, especially the Gardens of the World tour. Um, I don't know what the pricing is offhand. I believe the behind-the-seeds tour is only $10, 12 $15, somewhere around there. But it's a really neat opportunity to go behind-the-scenes at... Um, at the Land Pavilion and take a look and see how uh, that all comes together. So if we had to stop for one second and tell me, we're talking about the best of the best of the Flower and Garden Festival. And I know you are my family, so we don't have a concept of just saying one thing. But if you had to pick one thing and say to somebody who's never been before, if you were talking kids to one of your friends or Deanna talking to somebody from back home to say, what is the one thing or the one reason, the one uh, attractor that why people should come to Flower and Garden Festival, what would it be? The Butterfly Garden. Why? Because I love butterflies and the flowers. <laughs> it's not the most compelling reason in the world. Think on that again because I know you can come up with something even more compelling other than the fact that you just love the butterflies. I just love butterflies. Mom can go first. I need to. So I would say you need to just come and experience walking around with your family, seeing all the topiaries, using all your senses, and just soaking it all in. Because there's so much here to take in, along with all of the flowers that are so beautiful. It, within all the countries, they have these wonderful little areas in each country at each like food venue. And they speak about uh, lemons and oranges and the herbs they use. And you just... There's just so much to learn and to just take in. So I think that's my favorite thing to just come and do here. I, okay, here's my compelling reason. Uh, I, I still really like butterflies, and I really like being able to get up close and being able to even hold a butterfly and take a picture and look at all the flowers. It's just like, it's just, it's just cool. Do you feel that when, you, when you've come here, do you find that... and well, I'm going to come back to you because it's an interesting thing that nobody has talked said yet. Go ahead. My favorite thing, so I couldn't decide between anything because it's all great. My favorite thing is the experience you get from coming here just once. Like the the butterfly <laughs> garden is awesome. The the one thing, the one thing. One. What's the one thing that you that the food? The <laughs> yes. you are my son. I love you so much for saying that. Okay. So the one thing that's interesting about all this is we have talked about coming to this park, all the things to see, all the things to do, all the things to experience. Fest uh, uh, sorry, Flower and Garden Festival is not a one-day event. You cannot do that. I mean, you could, but I don't think you should do this all in one day because there's so much to see and do from 
the gardens, to the topiaries, to the food, that you really can come to flower and garden. And I think you need to a lot, at least two days, to really enjoy it. But the one thing that nobody mentioned this whole time was going on an attraction. Nope. We've been here for two days, and there's... Uh, obviously, look, I know if you're, you're coming here and you're visiting, you want to ride Test Track, you want to ride Soarin', you want to go on Spaceship Earth. But there is so much to do beyond that. And because the, like, the weather is so perfect and there's this beautiful breeze in the air, and it's something that you can do, again, going back to Walt, that you can do together as a family... I think that is a real one of the reasons why I, I love this event, and I'm so and I'm as as excited and passionate for it is because it is a true family event. You can come here alone. You can come here with a spouse. You can come here with your friends. You can enjoy it however it is that you want to. Like going to the flower. I mean, going to the butterfly garden. Right. I I mean that was my biggest thing, just to come and experience. You know. Everything that's here and encompass every one of your senses into this awesome event. And I think this is one that, like the food, is meant to be savored. I think it's one that you do take slowly and take the time to wander, not just in and out of the gardens, but in and out of the pavilions. I heard somebody yesterday say, did you know about all those little streets and hidden alleyways in Morocco? Like, he had never been there before because he was looking for the egg. Mm -hmm. All right, maybe I just gave... but. And I, and I think that's what this is meant to do. It is meant for you to really savor Epcot. And it is when we talk about it being a, a savory event, it is not just in a culinary sense. It is for all of your senses. So I want you, little listener, to tell me, have you been there this year? More importantly, what is your best of the best? What is your favorite part of the Epcot International Flower and Garden and Food and Wine and Savory Fest 2017? <laughs> But, Mary, I think that you've made it. I think that we understand the Butterfly Garden. And you know what? Because I love you. We're going to go do We're going to go there. And No, no, I I wasn't talking to you. I was pointing to the go-go squeeze. That's why we're going to go walk through the Butterfly Garden. So just take a bunch of your friends, get them together, come walk around and experience this awesome event that Epcot is putting on. And, you know, hats off to the awesome chefs that put this together, the the people that put all these awesome plants together and all these things that you know the topiaries and it's just it's an amazing experience that you need to really come and you know explore and and you and that's exactly how i was going to finish it off was was to say you know we have to make sure we recognize um the cast members that do this there is a team of people that is putting this together the day that this event is over is when they start planning next year so from the horticultural team to the culinary team to uh, the, the the butterfly team, everybody who puts this event together, it is a true, it is an army of people that makes all this happen and look and smell and taste as good as it does. So when you do come here, please do me a favor and thank a cast member for the, for what they've done, um, including so many of them that are not on stage but are behind the scenes. And Marion, for you, butterflies on the go. See ya. Thank you. See you. I'm hungry. I'm still, I'm hungry again. I'm always hungry. I'm like the Hulk, but what hung, he's always angry. I'm always hungry. (laughs) 
It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes in what you see, sometimes in what you hear. Eventually, it's going to be something that you have probably eaten while you're there. And if you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I was talking about how Walt Disney World is always changing. I think in the next few months and years, you're going to see a massive change in growth and expansion, even beyond what we know already. And I think we're always, as Disney fans and really the Disney company, is always looking to the future, just like Tomorrowland in the Magic Kingdom. And I think that, too, is also going to grow, evolve, and change. And some new things will come in, and maybe we'll lose some things along the way. One of those attractions, which replaced one of my early favorites, was Stitch's Great Escape, which opened in 2004. And so I asked you last week to tell me what was the very first attraction to occupy the space which isn't currently housing Stitch's Great Escape. I want to first thank the literally thousands of you that entered via email or more importantly, the online form because I have your address, so if you win, I can send you your prize package. Uh, And you, of course, know the answer that while Tomorrowland, when it opened in 1971, didn't really have a lot going on uh, at that time, for Christmas, sort of as a Christmas present to Disney fans that year, Flight to the Moon opened on Christmas Eve. It was just about four years later in spring of 1975 when that closed to sort of reroute and change the destination for our mission to Mars, which opened in June of 1975. So again, thanks to all of you who entered. I took all of the correct entries, randomly selected one. And again, you were playing for the 102 Ways to Save Money for an At Walt Disney World book, the audio tours, the Magic Band cover, the stickers, and I'm throwing in a hot and cold WDW Radio travel mug, not available in stores, to the winner. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Tom McCaskill. So, Tom, congratulations. You did use the online form, so I have your address. I will get your prize package out to right, right away. But if you played last week and didn't win, that's okay. Forget about last week. Keep moving forward because here's your, your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, we're going to go from Tomorrowland and Magic Kingdom over to Disney's Animal Kingdom. And one of really, I think, a groundbreaking attraction, one that really goes back to an initial idea that Walt had for having live animals as part of the guest experience. And we're, of course, going to Kilimanjaro Safaris. My question for you is to see how well you pay attention, not to the animals on the savannah, but what you hear. Because when your, your tour guide calls over the radio to the warden, what is the warden's code name? So when when he or she calls out to the warden to get him or her on the radio, he calls out via a call sign. What is that call sign? What is the the name that is used for the warden? I don't want his or her real name. I want the warden's call sign. So you have until Sunday, March 12th at 11.59 p.m. To go to www.radio.com, click on this week's show notes uh, in the podcast section. There you'll find the online entry form. Fill it out with your answer because, again, you're playing for the book, the tours, the Magic Band cover, the stickers. So I need your address to send you a physical package. And you know what? I'm going to send you the hot and cold travel mug because they, you guys seem to really like those. So good luck and have fun.
that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you again so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. Going to quickly go over just a couple of reminders and announcements. First of all, don't forget that you can now download my new book, 102 Things You Need to Do at Walt Disney World at least once for free just by visiting www.radio.com. Sign up for the newsletter there. I will send you a link to download your book slash checklist. Also, please go and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Radio. Be sure and turn on notifications as I go live, not just every Wednesday night, either from the parks or from the studio, but a lot of times I will go live from the parks, take you on a tour with me, whether it's through flower and garden, an attraction, a meal, whatever it might be. If you click on this week's show notes, uh, there's a video there showing you exactly how to turn on notifications. Don't forget that the purge of my Disney collection is still going on on eBay. I list about 10 to 15 new items, sometimes bundles of items, everything from cast member materials to pre-opening documents, things that I've collected over the year. I have just, I am out of space and would rather see them go to a good home and or office. Uh, they start and end every Sunday night. You can visit www.radio.com slash eBay to check out this week's auctions. I want to thank some recent new members of the WW Radio Nation family, including Beth Hausberger, Gilly Rosenthal, David Roshoni, Aaron Andes, and Leah Althusser. I sincerely appreciate all of you. I want to welcome you officially to the Nation family. If you want to find out how you can not only help support the show, but get exclusive monthly rewards like scavenger hunts, care packages, logo gear, access to our private Facebook group. We do monthly live video group calls with Nation members, personalized Magic Band covers, and more. Please visit www.radio.com support. And don't forget that a portion of your proceeds do go to the Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. All right, very quickly, don't forget that I want to hear from you. I want you to be part of the show. If you have a question that you want me to answer during our listener email segment, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com. If you want to be heard on the air calling from the parks, have a comment about this week's show, call 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. Of course, while I love connecting with you online, and I am at Lou Mangiello on all the social, and don't forget about our Facebook page, at facebook.com slash WRadio. There's nothing, nothing that beats a handshake and a hug. That is why I do monthly meetups as well as lots of other special events and group events and group cruises. If you check out the events page over on Facebook, you'll find out about what is coming, including our next cruise, our double dip to Castaway Key this summer. You can find out how you can join us in Alaska on the Disney Wonder in summer 2018. Some other things we have coming up as well. Uh, I do not have March's Meet of the Month date as yet, but that and Twitter and Facebook is where you will find out. And also stay tuned to LouMangelo.com because I will be traveling uh, throughout the country, actually the world this summer, uh, going to speak to conferences and events and to schools and if maybe I can help you with your event or come speak to your school or maybe help you individually turn what you love into what you do visit lumangelo.com you can find out about some personal mentoring and some group coaching and I will be announcing my momentum weekend workshop which will take place this fall in Walt Disney World again 
by staying tuned to social, I'll probably do a live video in the next week or so. Again, everything you can find over at www.radio.com. I want to thank Mouse Fan Travel, who my official and recommended travel provider. Visit them over at mousefantravel.com and little Timmy Foster over at celebrationspress.com. And as always, my friend, and you, you are my friend. Whether we have met yet or not, you continue to demonstrate that week after week. All I ask in return is if you like the show, please help spread the word. I want you to go out and tell some of your friends about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Post a link to this or your favorite episode in your favorite Facebook group, on your favorite Facebook page. And please take 30 seconds to rate and review the show over on iTunes. Thanks to you, we have more than 1,200 five-star reviews. We hit hit number two overall among podcasts worldwide last year. And for that, I am grateful. I want to thank some Recent reviewers like Brian and Brittany Becker, say that three times fast, uh, who said they love the top 10 cast member episode. They were cheering so loud that little Timmy Foster wanted to be John Lennon. Uh, Nobody doesn't like Lou, says Disney Dad 0503. He says, arguably one of the best produced podcasts out there. No one shouts Disney like Lou, listening for years. Ben Lawson 906 from the United Kingdom says, life-altering magic spreading goodness says, I can't, be- I can't explain the feeling the show gives you. It's the only thing that gets me through my days at work. Lou inspires you to follow your dreams and keep moving forward. He says, thanks, Lou. You've changed my life. Ben, you have done the same simply by virtue of you listening. NYC Dreamer 9 says, the podcast is a treasure. Lou shares his joy and passion about Disney and life in general in a genuine natural way. I really enjoy learning about the details of the parks and attractions. I love the pop culture references peppered into the podcasts. I love little Timmy Foster and lose other guests. Not only does the podcast help me plan and look forward to my next trip, but it inspires me to find the joy in everyday life. Thank you, Lou, your friend, Amanda. Amanda, thank you. Thanks to all of you who have left a review recently or in the past. If you want to find out how, visit www.radio.com slash iTunes. It'll give you instructions on how to do it. Finally, I know I said I was going to be short. I've gone long again, but I want to say thank you again so, so much for just being here, for taking the time to share your time with me and spend it with me. And thank you for just letting me do what I do and share it with you and you are such an important and critical and and loved part of this thing that we are doing p- together this this thing that we are these footprints that we are sort of leaving in the sand and and for that I am grateful and I hope that you are equally as happy doing what you do every day and if there's some way I could maybe help you go down that path or keep moving forward please let me know I hope that you have your best week ever so until next time See ya. Hey, Lou. It's Chris Bannis. I just wanted to thank you again for everything that you do. And thanks for being there. And I guess and I could say giving me a platform for expanding not only my Disney friends, but also connecting me to people that I will forever hold dear in my heart. And you and your family are on that list. What a great testament to your ability to connect with people. That anniversary call-in show was really an example of that. I know I was touched by what friends were saying, so I can only imagine how you felt. I give you credit for the control of emotion that you were showing. 
I am an emotional wreck and even cry at commercials, so I would not have been able to hold that together as well as you did. Thank you again, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. We will be down in September, so hopefully it will not be at the time that you are gone. Love you and love all of my fellow box people. P.S. Please do more Disney in a minute. Thanks again, Lou. Bye. Hi, Lou. My name is Hannah. I live in California, but I grew up going to Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Um, I just listened to your episode about the top ten funniest things at Disney World. I know I'm probably a little bit late, but um, I wanted to share a couple of experiences I've had on the same line of um, the the characters at, at Disney dining events, particularly when you are the last member of the family to um, leave the area. So this would be like if you have a 7 o'clock or an 8 o'clock, you know, character dining appointment and they're all kind of waiting for you to leave because I think some of them aren't allowed to leave until you leave. Um, I remember one time when we were little kids, um, we were at the Liberty Tree Tavern and we were the last family there with us and another family eating together and um all, like Chip and Dale and Minnie and Goofy, they were all, all at our table. So we got all of them at the same time. And they started fighting and chasing each other around the restaurant. And, um, you know, Minnie was flirting with my brother and just really funny stuff. Um, more recently, I was in Disneyland, California for um, a work conference. I had a similar experience at uh, it's called Goofy's Cafe. Um, it's attached to one of the hotels. I am not as familiar with Disneyland, California, so this was a fun experience where we, again, I said, let's put the last appointment they have. Um, and sure enough, we were the last group of just <laughs> these ladies there for a work conference, and they stayed at our table forever. Um, at one point, Dale had somehow acquired a lightsaber and was, you know, going back and forth with Chip. Uh, Dale also kind of kept, there was a little half wall by where one of the ladies in our group was sitting and he kept kind of peeking up over and reaching over and um, scaring her. Um, Chip, actually I think it was Dale again. Dale was on fire. Dale uh, was doing some magic tricks with some sugar packets that did not go according to plan. Um, so I just think those, I really have to give kudos to those um, characters and all that they do completely off script and completely without words. Um, so yeah, just thought I was here. Good morning, Lou Mangiello. It's Darlene Maggie from West Seneca, New York, and I'm calling in to say that you guys are now 125 days away from the Double Dip Cruise. And just think, all those Broadway-type shows are going to be at your fingertips to watch after either the first serving of dinner or the second serve, or before the first serving of dinner for us that we normally go to, then after we go to dinner, we get to go to a show. So not that I'm going on this cruise, but it's the easiest way for me to explain. Hello, Lou. This is Mike Coran calling from Minnesota. Um, just a quick congratulations on your 10-year WDW anniversary. Uh, a lot of work, and you should be very proud of yourself. Secondly, my wife and I are heading down on our annual tour here with the RV, leaving on uh, coming Wednesday for five days at Bay Lake Tower, five days at the Beach Club, and a week at Fort Wilderness, and 
we're both pretty happy we're going to be able to overlap the time with the meet of the month on the 27th of February at uh, Disney Springs. So look forward to seeing you down there. And again, congratulations. Thanks for all you do, Lou. Bye. Hey, Lou, it's Riley. Uh, calling you from my dorm room at St. Leo University. Just wanted to say I just got done finished listening to top 10 uh, cast member roles you'd want to be. And as a former college program participant and once again, future college program participant in the summer. I gotta say, being cast member is probably one of the best things that I've ever done, and one of the most rewarding experiences that I've ever had. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you for making cardio a little bit easier with your shows, and I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. Bye. You go.